Hello, Strong Runner Chicks, and welcome to Strong Runner Chick Radio. It's Elena here, and today we are joined by a special guest, Jennifer Kriat Solas. She is a PhD, experienced registered yoga teacher with 500 hours, a certified International Association of Yoga Therapists, yoga teacher specializing in eating disorders and body image. Specializing in eating disorders and body image, she is an inspirational speaker and author of Body Mindful Yoga. Create a powerful and affirming relationship with your body. Jennifer provides yoga therapy via online and in person at Yoga Life Institute in Wayne, Pennsylvania, and leads yoga therapy groups at Monte Nido Eating Disorder Center of Philadelphia. She teaches workshops, retreats, and specialized trainings for clinicians, professionals, and yoga teachers. She also mentors professionals who wish to integrate yoga into their work with eating disorder clients. Jennifer is a partner with the Yoga and Body Image Coalition and writes for Yoga International and Yoga Journal and other influential blogs. She has appeared on Fox 29 News and WHYY's The Pulse and has been featured in the Huffington Post, Real Woman Magazine, Metal Report Chicago, Philly.com, and on several podcasts, including the Yoga International podcast and ED Matters podcast. You can connect with Jennifer at her website, which I will link to below our our podcast episode today. So welcome, Jennifer. We're so excited to have you. Uh, Thank you so much. I'm really so grateful for the opportunity to talk with you and your community. So thank you. Yeah, awesome. Um, And usually one of our first questions we ask our listeners, and I changed it a little bit for you because I wasn't really sure if you were a runner or not. So I wanted to ask you how you got your start in yoga. Oh, okay. Thank you. Um, So I started yoga way back when in 2002. I was in graduate school and, you know, yoga was becoming more of like the thing to do. And I was in my early years of recovery from an eating disorder. And prior to um, that time, so prior to starting yoga, Um, And before I I sought treatment for the eating disorder, I had an exercise addiction that was part of my story. And um, so I had reached this point in my healing and now in graduate school where I was really missing the part of myself that was an athlete. I had been an athlete all my life, you know, on tons of teams in high school and grade school and just always loved working hard and sweating and being aggressive and boxing out. And, you know, that was just part of my personality. But because of that exercise addiction that came in, my relationship with exercise had to change. And so now I was at a point where, you know, how do I reconnect with some of those parts of myself that enjoy activity, um, but do it in a way that's going to be safe and protect my recovery. So I decided to give yoga a try and it worked. It clicked. It clicked with me. Um, I started doing videos in my apartment. I remember that. And then met someone who went to a local studio and she took me with her to a class. And within a year or two later, I was teaching and it just became a very integral um, part of my life and certainly part of my healing. Wow, that's awesome. I'm and um, I'm so glad you were able to find yoga. That's something that I personally have found helpful for me as well. Um, when dealing with um, having something outside of running, because that's something that for me was something that I'm very ingrained with. So having something outside of running with yoga has been really beneficial for me. And I know a lot of our listeners 
are also interested in yoga and how the benefits of yoga um, for running and how those two can go hand in hand kind of. And um, as well as like with your mental health, helping to um, connect more with yourself and body image, which I know we're going to talk about a little bit more Mm -hmm. as well. And um, my next question for you was how you started yoga for eating disorders and how um, starting your organization has helped you to deal with some tough circumstances in life. Yeah, so... um, Yoga for Eating Disorders, that has a story too, right? As all of our adventures in life. Um, After my second daughter was born, um, I had a very bad relapse of the eating disorder. Uh, As much as I love being a mom and I adore my children, the overwhelm and the sleep deprivation and some of the other factors that, you know, go into this huge life transition uh, really kind of turned on the eating disorder again. Um, you know, that was my way of coping and, you know, now I was in this high stress situation. And so that, that's just where my brain went. Um, and the relapse was swift and severe and I was in the hospital before she turned one. That was a really hard time in my life. You know, I had my other daughter who was two and I was terrified of leaving them. I didn't want to go away to treatment. I didn't want them to feel abandoned, but, I also didn't want to be a chronically ill mother, and I knew that I had reached a point with my symptoms and my mindset that if I didn't, if I didn't go and get some real, like, intense support and immerse myself in that treatment, I wasn't really going to be able to pull myself out of that that place of overwhelm and get some clarity and kind of hit the reset button, you know. Um, and so, prior to that happening. Um, my career was a medical writer. I had a, you know, I have a PhD in English literature and there were just no academic jobs to be found when I finished my degree. And I really just made the conscious choice that to not, to not spend my time adjuncting, that just didn't feel like a good fit for me. So I decided to become a medical writer after researching different fields that my degree would, you know, be a fit for. And I love that work. It was really, it was fun. It was, it was challenging. I got to travel. It was great. But I always had this like nagging feeling inside of me that there was more for me to do. And I I never paid attention to that nagging feeling. I just pushed it away, pushed it away, pushed it away. So when I went to treatment, I really committed to opening my mind and my heart to exploring that nagging voice. Mm -hmm. Because part of, for me, becoming a mom, you know, as, as joyful as that is, I just got so lost you know, I became really disconnected with who I was. And so it seemed really important to listen to that nagging voice and see what it had to tell me about, you know, who I am and what I like and what I have to offer the world. And so I enrolled in a yoga therapy training, which is a three-year training. And I did not go into that training thinking that I'd be working with others in eating disorder recovery. That kind of came to me during the process of training and working with mentors and teachers and, and realizing that, you know, if there was anything I was going to be an expert in, anything that I could talk authentically to, it was the recovery process. I had been working on it for over 20 years. And, you know, now I had come through, you know, a really pretty bad relapse and was well on my way to, you know, um, strong recovery and wellness. And the yoga therapy program 
really help to propel that healing to, to new levels, like um, tremendous levels. And so it was in that process that I realized that my gifts and that nagging feeling was like, take your suffering and transform it into service. Mm -hmm. And so, um, that's, that's kind of how it came about. And as soon as I kind of opened myself up to creating that, the universe or whatever you believe in, it has just been, it's just been sending me opportunity after opportunity, after opportunity, after opportunity to to do this work and really be of service. Um, I work with clients individually. I lead workshops and retreats. Now I do a lot of writing and speaking and trainings and it's just so rewarding. I love connecting with others on their healing path and learning about their stories and, being able to hold space for them in a special way and contribute to their healing. So it's, it's just, it just comes right from my heart and it's so satisfying. So because this work is very intentional and very connected to my purpose, that sense of connection to purpose helps me to deal with challenges. That was the second part of your question. Um, That knowing that, you know, I am using the fullness of my life experiences, um, that really, that's been very healing. It's very motivating. You know, I can't do this work in the world if I'm not well myself. Um, so that's something I take very seriously. And um, so I feel like my work is, is, you know, it's a motivator. It's, it's, it's connects me to my purpose. It helps me feel um, like I'm able to give back to the eating disorder community, the yoga communities, these two communities that have supported me in my life. So it, and all the, the, the skills and things that I've learned through yoga just help me manage my life and help me be the mother that I want to be ultimately. Wow. Well, you shared a lot there. And so thank you so much for sharing that. And I loved how you said that you took taken your own suffering and trans, have transformed it into service. And you're doing that is you're serving others, but you're also serving yourself in a way, um, helping yourself so that you, um, from what I understand, don't fall back into the eating, your own eating disorder. You are helping others and using what you've learned throughout your whole process to help others, which in turn helps yourself. And I think that's something that's really amazing because a lot of the time we can forget to help ourselves. We, we can get so ingrained in wanting to help others but we forget that we also need to help ourselves and take that time for ourselves as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I really look at the way I spend my time now through the lens of like nourishment, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, this is the story, the theme in my life, nourishment, right? With someone who has had an eating disorder. So, you know, is how, is this activity or is this, you know, this thing that I'm doing, is it nourishing me? Mm-hmm. Right? And, um, when we can give ourselves permission to value our own nourishment, whether that's physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, all of that. Um, I, I think that we start to value ourselves more and we start to see ourselves and our wellness as a priority, not only in our own lives, but for our families, for the, the world beyond, you know, the world, the world in which we live. And, um, as we can get stronger and model our own wellness, I think that there's a domino effect there. Yeah. 
Oh, I love that. I love that nourishment. And I think that that's something um, that a lot of our listeners can resonate with, just that asking ourselves that question. And we have to ask ourselves that question, is this activity nourishing me multiple times throughout a year? Because yes. we can kind of get lost in what we're doing and kind of forget to check in with ourselves. So that's a great question and a great reminder to have. Oh, good. I'm glad you find it helpful. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I shifting gears a tiny bit, but I know a lot of your work is around cultivating positive body image and helping others with positive body image. You have so many awesome um, journal articles you've written and then your new book as well. Um, I tried to read some of them um, and I found the one I I shared the uh, top, the tips you had shared on our Instagram account uh, a couple weeks ago. And yeah, yeah, I just wanted to ask um, how others can work on body image and sharing some of your, what you've learned um, through your research and in your journal articles as well. Yeah. Thank you. I really appreciate your support. Um, So I do a lot with body image. I mean, that certainly intersects with eating disorders. Um, You know, people who struggle with eating disorders really um, have a hard time feeling comfortable in their bodies. So working with them on that process is a big part of my work. But in general, I I feel that, you know, I think a lot of us, eating disorder or not, bump up against body image challenges. I think it's hard to live in the society we live in and not. Mm-hmm. just because the, you know, we are enmeshed in messages around, you know, which bodies fit and which bodies don't. And the images that, um, you know, the images that we are bombarded with of, you know, these ideal images of, of bodies and sizes and even colors. Right. So this is a, this is a big problem. Um, and luckily there are a lot of really wonderful professionals and organizations trying to change the, the conversation there. Um, and so my book, uh, Body Mindful Yoga, and a lot of the work that I do on body image is really actually related to language. Mm. Um, so the language, the wit language, so like the words that we speak, the way we internalize words, the words we say to ourselves, the words in our conversations, um, that our language it translates directly into how we're feeling about our bodies, how we're feeling about our sense of self, right? So body mindful yoga explores that relationship between language and body image. And, you know, think about it this way. If say you're, you know, out in the world and you say you're standing in the grocery store line and you see a headline, right? And it's something about losing weight or, changing, you know, losing your belly or whatever the stupidity (laughs) that's out there, right? Think about how, depending on what's going on in in your life, in your relationship with your body, how when you see those words, what does it bring up in you, right? What buttons does it push? How does it change your facial expression in the moment? How How are you holding your body in the moment? You know, what kind of thoughts does that set off? Um, for a lot of us, it sets off thoughts about, you know, that are kind of filled with guilt or shame, or we start comparing ourselves to other people, other bodies, um, depending on your history that might send you off into a spiral of eating disordered behavior. Um, 
right? It may make you believe you need to run 20 extra miles that week, right? So there's a way that that language gets translated into then how you take it out on your body, right? And so for me, you know, body image is actually an inside job. <laughs> it's, it's thinking about language and realizing that we have the opportunities to empower ourselves in our body image by shifting our language. First, we need to understand why certain words or thoughts set us off. And in Body Mindful Yoga, the whole first half of the book is that exploration. We actually look at language specifically around uh, food culture, fitness, social media, fashion, and we bring up, bring out a lot of the popular slogans and things in, in those worlds and say, hey, so when you hear uh, no pain, no gain, what does that bring up for you? Is it motivating or is it disempowering? Like, and when I say motivating, is it empowering, right? Mm-hmm. It's, do you feel affirmed or do you feel like you now need to go run those extra 20 miles or whatever your story is, right? Um, and so if it bothers you, let's explore why. And we have exercises in the book for that. And then yoga is, the yoga practices, meaning yoga poses, meditation, breathing practices, mantra, all these practices of repetition that we do over and over daily or a couple times a week, when we do them with intention, we're actually rewiring our brains. Um, And I know that's another whole topic, so I won't go on and on about that. But when we combine that movement, that embodied experience with new language, maybe that's an affirming mantra or, um, you know, some type of some type of affirming language, we, we do our brains good, right? So we, we actually go toward rewiring our brains and we get to practice saying kinder things to ourselves. Now, look, I'm not, I don't believe that we just start saying nice things to ourselves and all of a sudden all our body image issues go away, but it's the awareness about how we're talking to ourselves, whether that's to ourselves or about ourselves in public and beginning to pare that back, eliminate the disparaging comments, eliminate the disempowering comments so that there's more room for more empowering comments to come in. And it's a process. It's a practice. Right. <clears throat> so when you're doing your workouts, you know, how are you talking to yourself? Mm-hmm. Right. What are you hearing? Are you hearing comparison? Are you hearing guilt? You're hearing shame, but those types of thoughts and feelings are really kind of, you know, violent and destructive. They might seem motivating, but check in, right? Because they affect your relationship with your body. I, I, um, I really want to order your book now. Yay! <laughs> I think that's a resource that a lot of people could um, find very useful. I love how you um, said you have exercises then in your book to help tackle these phrases. And I think that's a big, like a huge thing right now. And um, something I was, you kind of touched on, but I was going to touch on a little bit about social, with social media and these phrases such as like no pain, no gain, or I know another big thing is like um, bad foods or like um, somebody, I think I just was reading yesterday about like naughty foods. Um, so just like these labels we put on certain things and how can we, as you said, when we see these words or see these things, not let it affect us. And obviously it takes some time, but like working, we see this, 
that this food is a bad food, look at it, okay, but uh, and then move on from it. And I, I think that, that um, you addressing that is something that's really, really needed in our society right now, especially with social media. Oh, good. Thank you. Yeah, you know, morality, language, and food, right? This is what chapter in, our, in the book. Um, okay. It's a huge, it's a huge problem, right? Because good food, bad food, naughty food, you know, we are mapping morality onto our food, which means we are every time that we eat a food that is deemed bad, then the the internal script is I am bad, mm-hmm. right? And now I need to go do penance. I need to go work that badness off. Right. Or I need to punish myself for being bad. Right. And so what might seem very innocent, like, oh, pizza's bad. What's well, not? Pizza's freaking awesome. Right. But what might seem very innocent in saying that because everyone else says it is it, it's not because especially it's for a couple of reasons. One, if you're like me and your mom and you're saying that kind of language in front of your children, that's not helpful to them. Food is neutral. Mm-hmm not have any meaning to it it's the meaning that we've put on it the stories that we've put on it that create the suffering in us around food right so and look I get it I know we're it's a tough world these messages are coming at us it's really hard to know is it true is it not true like I'm not minimizing how difficult this is so I just really want to make that clear um but when we can take a step back and realize that, you know, this is pretty problematic that food is being labeled good or bad mm-hmm. and do some kind of almost like that media literacy type work. Um, um, take the power out of it, kind of take the, you know, debunk it. Um, then we've put the power back in ourselves. So in our book, we take these different slogans like no pain, no gain, and we actually analyze what it actually is saying. And demonstrate why it's why it could be misinterpreted in a way that is disempowering. Right? For some people, that phrase, that slogan does not disempower them. It's motivating in a healthy way. For some people, it's not. For some people, it really is about pain. Mm-hmm. And it really is pushing yourself past the limits and tapping into perfectionism and people pleasing and all of that. So it's kind of like getting a sense for where you, how you relate to some of this language. And if it's, if it's disempowering, then let's do some work around why, right? Because until we look at it, we're not going to be able to just see that phrase on social media and not be affected. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes. I, so, I, uh, yeah. I was going to say, um, just, I, I think that's something that almost all of us can learn from is when we see social media, looking at it, dissecting it for what it means, because that's how we learn to not let it affect us. We have to dissect it sometimes. And that's tough work. It's not easy to dissect totally. how it feels. Yeah, absolutely. It really is tough work. And I'm glad that you said that because it takes a lot of self-compassion to do that work, right? And a lot of patience. And um, so getting support around that friends, family, a trusted, you know, care provider, as you do this journey with working to uplift your body image, it does take work. So 
you know, I'm, I'm certainly here to offer support as well. Um, but I'm glad you pointed that out because yeah, it's not like, okay, I'm just gonna look at social media today and not be affected. Yeah. Right. And maybe once or twice that might work. Mm -hmm. Right. But depending on your habits with social media, right. And that's the other piece of this. So are you using social media because you need external validation or are you on social media engaging for a different intention? And so when our, when our worth is, you know, heavily dependent on an external validation and those likes and those shares and all that, it's really hard to kind of come to social media media and not be affected negatively. Yeah. I think that's a, that's something else to think about is before you even like press your app or log on your computer to a social media website, your intention behind it, because sometimes um, there might be a certain intention that maybe I want to look at a certain thing or I wanted to see um, what was happening with a certain event or another a friend who I haven't heard from in a while or seen, or is it because I'm bored and I want to look at something or because I'm feeling a certain way and I want to look and see um, what something else is to maybe make me feel better or then it ends up sometimes making you feel worse. So um, that was something that I just a little bit ago um, check in with myself and like sometimes you just we mindlessly just tap on the app um, mm-hmm. and I was like wait do we really need to go on there and then sometimes uh, get carried away and spend a little longer than I intend to spend on the, my social media app and mm-hmm. um, so that's, that's a, something that you know we don't always really think about and it's good to talk about. Yeah yeah I'm glad that you think so and the, the chapter on social media really dives into that idea yeah. of intention and and things like that yeah. okay oh well your book just sounds amazing oh thank you yeah i will definitely be um sharing that then for all listeners and the podcast show notes as well thank you so um, much yeah yeah um now i wanted to ask it's a, a question i actually had and then we had a listener question on this so it's obviously very important um about how, how to help someone like a friend or just uh, just a, someone who you're close to who is dealing with um disordered eating or um, body image issues and how can you best help them as a friend or guide them towards more professional support or other resources that's such a good question and my my sense of answering this is to encourage people to approach their friend or loved one from a place of compassion um, versus say judgment, even though your intention might not be judgment, but just being really mindful of kind of the energy that you're bringing into the the conversation Um, and to make it about what you notice around the person's um, like mood or vibe, but not necessarily commenting on body or food. Mm -hmm. So expressing concern that say, Hey, you know, I I noticed you haven't been yourself lately, you know, something bothering you Are are you okay? Um, or Hey, you know, I've noticed that I've noticed that you've seemed really preoccupied lately. Um, you know, is, is everything okay? Mm -hmm. And I I think ultimately what I'm trying to say here is, to not make it about someone's body or food because that will put them on the defensive very quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just from a place of caring and expressing concern and knowing that your concern is sincere. And if the person doesn't respond in the way that you want them to, it's out of your hands. 
Mm -hmm. right? You can just do your part in expressing the concern. Certainly, if you feel that the person is in physical danger, like very medically compromised from an eating disorder or um, even emotionally, you know, emotionally compromised in a way that needs attention quickly, um, I think, you know, considering whether that's a family member that you go to or whether if you're in school, maybe it's a guidance counselor, the you know, the school wellness center or, you know, just some type of authority that is a person that your friend is comfortable with mm-hmm. or at least neutral with, we should say. Right. So if family is not the place to go, then is there another neutral adult or support? Um, it's a t- it's a tricky one. It really is a tricky one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing um, some insight, because as you said, it is a a difficult situation. um, But um, as we talked about earlier in our conversation, going and helping that person, but not investing so much that you're not taking care of your own self and but you're helping somebody a little bit. But then once you kind of reach that point where you've helped them as much as you can, helping to guide them to somebody else um, is great advice. Thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. Um, let's see, um, another listener question that we had, um, was, um, I'm trying to phrase this a little differently, but, um, how you can best, just how to best care for your body and to take care of yourself so that we don't fall into these, into these dangerous, um, uh, health, health problems or, or, um, sometimes I guess they can kind of be like traps in a way, um, that makes it difficult to get out or find support, but just like overall helping yourself and taking care of your own health in the best way possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it comes down to remembering that you have a choice mm-hmm. in how you spend your time and who you spend your time with. And Remembering that your wellness is priority and protecting your wellness is priority. And so thinking about situations, activities, people, places, things that may not support your wellness and really being honest about that really, really being honest. You know, um, I did have a little bit of time in my life where I was running and it seemed to be okay. Um, but it got really sticky and it it stopped being okay. And so I had to make the choice to own that truth that as much as I might want to do this activity, Um, it's not always, I'm not always to do it in a way that supports my health. So it's time to take a break from this and do some more work on myself and find a different activity. Right. Yeah. So I think what it really boils down to is making your wellness a priority and, staying honest with yourself about those things that are traps. Yeah. I love um, how you said support your own health. 
and also mentioning running and realizing that you needed to take a break from it because sometimes when we have an activity or our own routine we say oh we have we have to I have to do this but that's also another word of saying you have to do this um, but realizing and I'm no it take a lot a lot of work to understand that you needed a break and realizing you needed a break um, yeah. for yourself but that's, that's right. something um, that just a lot of people who have the ambition and the drive to get things done kind of and the perfectionism to, to not, you know, um, getting into that um, routine of not taking a break. You're like, I can't take a break, but it's okay too. Right. That's exactly right. And so pay attention to your internal cues, yeah. right? Like what is showing up in yourself you know, or is that perfectionistic thinking turning on again? Are you not eating well? Are you not hydrating? Are you, you know, exhausted? Um, are you miserable? Like what, what, how is it showing up that maybe whatever you're doing is not supporting your wellness and know that all that information is wisdom. It's your body's wisdom, right? And so honoring it is, it's really important. It's really important. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Thank you for sharing. Um, we had, this is our last, our last listener question was um, feeling confident in your body. And I know that you do a lot of that is um, your, in your practice is through yoga is feeling confident, how yoga can help us to feel confident, but some people don't resonate with yoga or maybe don't find yoga something that is meaningful for them. Mm-hmm. And oh, um, what else that you uh, suggest to help one or, um, and I'm sure in your book, you also address this as well, feeling confident in your body. Yeah, I think confidence looks different for everybody. Mm-hmm. And I would say, you know, so what does confidence mean to you? Mm-hmm. Right? What does that mean to you? When you're feeling confident, how do you hold yourself? What does it feel like to be confident? Right? How do you you know, how do you talk, what's your self-talk like when you're confident? You know, how do you show up in the world when you're confident? And so I think just taking like 10 minutes to think on those questions, like what does confidence mean to me and how does it look for me? And then knowing that you can seek out activities and things. And when you sense yourself tapping into that confidence, then you found something that supports you in your confidence. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah, I I, uh, I like that because, as you said, confidence is different for every person. So tapping That's into right. what is best for us. And, and sometimes, you know, we we've, um, it, it can be helpful to read online or read books about confidence. But um, using those tools that you might read or find and then asking yourself these questions and doing kind of assessing. And it's, right. it's work that you have to do almost every day um, during different situations you come across. And, um, That's right. But also with like different people you're with as well, because people can make you feel a certain way. That's well. right. Your environment, people, um, you know, call, it's funny, like even different um, settings, like, yeah. you know, I mean, it, it all plays in. So I think there's no magic pill, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's taking time to assess, like you said, well, what, what are the attributes that when are in place, I feel confident mm-hmm. right yeah yes yeah, I love that thank you Jennifer you're welcome um and as 
as we're as, as I'm asking you questions about what you do and all, um, my one other question I have is um, a, a little just elaborating a little bit more on what um, recovery tools you provide to others for eating disorders. And um, maybe if a listener is interested, um, but they're not near you, um, how you might be able to help them or what you can offer uh, services or maybe um, even their journal articles and your book, um, those different resources. Yeah, thank you for asking. So on my website, um, I have blogs, I have articles that I've written, videos, podcast interviews. So there's a lot of great resources all focused around eating disorder recovery on my website. Um, And also I'll just share with your listeners in terms of my blog, I really love sharing other people's voices on my blog. So if anyone is listening and wants to share about their recovery journey, um, Typically, I have people talk about their yoga and recovery journey just because of, you know, that's what I do, but it doesn't have to be that, but I'm just saying, like, if anybody wants to contribute, they can email me. Um, And then my yoga therapy practice, I work with people one-on-one, and I do that online or in person. So I have clients all over the country, and if you don't have to be in Philadelphia um, to work for us to work together. And that is um, working together one-on-one, like I said, and it's bringing in, applying the tools, the practices, the philosophies of yoga to support others in their recovery goals. Um, And it's, you know, I can definitely talk to anybody who's more interested in that more about that. Um, And then I also have a ton of events going on this year all around the country. So on my events page, you can you can see what's what's going on there, and maybe you're near where I'm going to be, and um, can join me for an event. Um, and then if you're a mental health professional or a yoga teacher, and you're interested in working with clients with eating disorders, integrating yoga into that work, I mentor um, those groups in doing that work one on one. And I also have um, some trainings that I'm doing. So lots of lots of opportunities. Um, I have a newsletter. You can sign up for my newsletter. Uh, you can email me. I'm I love connecting with other people on their personal path and and just hearing about their story. So. Oh well, I think that you are doing some amazing work in this in the community for for so many people, and it's you know um, it's always wonderful when we can find a resource or a person or an organization that is open to reaching others um, no matter where it is that they may be or where they may be in their own journey so that's great yeah thank you I really appreciate you helping helping me share about my work so thank you yes of course um I have we have a couple questions to wrap up that we always ask all of our listeners and it's always fun to hear what everybody everybody has to say for these questions. Um, but our one question is what currently is making you thrive right now? What currently is making me thrive? Um, what comes to my mind first is I'm reading Michelle Obama's book becoming right now. And I've just been learning so much from her and her story. And I am doing a lot of traveling right now. And so learning from her and being inspired by her is helping me just thrive in these new experiences and 
settings that I've been traveling in and out of lately. So yeah, I'm sure she has a lot of great advice. Um, I haven't read it yet. I have uh, so many friends that have been reading it and telling me that I need to read it. So it's on my list of what to read next, but I'm sure it's um, her advice for, for doing as you are traveling and how to interact with different people and all different cultures, I'm sure is very valuable. Yeah. 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 Our next question, which I always love to listen to this one, is what advice would you give your younger self? Not to take yourself so seriously. I think um, I've heard that before from a couple other people, and I I can't remember who else said that. Um, But I think that that's something... um, that's, that's a great advice because yeah. we can take ourselves pretty seriously and yeah. um, life is a, a fun journey. It's always changing. Um, what we might think one day is going to happen isn't going to happen. So That's right. That's yeah. right. And yeah, so it's just, it's not about perfection. Just try to relax and enjoy a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's a great reminder to have. Um, yeah. Maybe one of those reminders to write on your desk or on a post exactly. note and hang up. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and our last question is, and I changed it up a little bit for you, but what does being a strong yoga chick mean? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah. What does that mean? Um, for me, it means to be of service. Right? That when I am in my center, when I am connected to my strengths, when I'm honoring my truth, then I'm able to show up in the world and use my gifts. And when I'm not doing those things, right, it's hard to make those gifts really purely accessible, right? Because I'm out of whack. I'm out of balance. I'm not doing the work to keep myself well. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes, I can definitely relate to that and I'm sure many as others can as well and that's something that as I've gotten older and I know I'm not that old but, <laughs> um, realizing that um, when I'm out of balance and how that feels to me and recognizing the signs in my own body and my mind of feeling out of balance and then recentering myself taking the time or a day or two um, right. so that I can be of better service to others as you said. Yeah, 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 absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Great. Um, and then uh, just anything else that you would like to add or share with our community that you might have on your mind at all? I'm just grateful for the opportunity to be here. And I love the work that you guys are doing. And thank you for creating a space for people like myself to have these conversations. And I love the empowering messages you have out there for you know, strong runner chicks. Um, it's awesome. So yeah. thank you. Yes. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you for your time. And to all listeners, thank you for listening and check out the sh- uh, podcast show notes, which will be out after this podcast is released. Uh, so you can learn a little, uh, see a little bit more from Jennifer, see her resources, um, maybe buy her book, all the wonderful things that she has out there and has provided for us. So thank you. Thanks for listening to the Strong Runner Chicks Radio. Do us a favor and leave a review in iTunes to help spread awareness and foster the SRC community. Additionally, make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Strong Run Chicks.